Welcome, friends. You're listening to the Swears and Does Hair podcast for bridal hairstylists and makeup artists looking to take their business to new levels. Here we tackle topics such as mindset, finances, balancing business with motherhood, and healthy strategies to keep your body and mind supporting your business rather than holding it back. I'm your host, Sue Minsky, business coach for bridal hairstylists and creator of the Next Level Bridal Business Program. Thanks for joining me. I can't wait to dig into today's topic, so let's get started. Welcome back to the Swears and Does Hair podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. It is Amy with Gracie May Bridal Hair, and we are going to be talking today about imposter syndrome and how to overcome imposter syndrome, how to build up the confidence in yourself and in your business so that you can make smart business decisions. So thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. I can't wait to dive into this topic with everyone. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Sue. Um, I just want to tell you that you were actually, I think, one of the first business coaches that really caught my attention and helped me when I started my business. And uh, your just whole overall presence like really made sense to me. I've always been more like the professionally minded. And so mm-hmm. I just resonated with everything you had to say right off the get-go. Um, and this means a lot to me. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being like my first like coaching student and person that I've worked with, like turning around and now interviewing you for the <laughs> podcast. It's really yeah. exciting for me because, you know, I've, I, it's been almost a year since um, we did our first coaching call and we've kind of been working together um, in the background and just to see your growth in everything um, over the last year has been so exciting for me. So to now be yeah. able to like have you on the podcast and to kind of talk about your experience and talk about these things that you implemented in your business and um, what kind of helped with, um, you know, because you were struggling a bit with that confidence sure. and the imposter syndrome. And, and I, I felt like I was always <laughs> like, but you're so amazing. Like, you know, what do you, why, why do you have this imposter syndrome kind of thing? And um, so it's cool that this is the topic that we're going to be talking about yeah, today. Yeah. So my husband told me I'm very qualified to talk about this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they can see what we really struggle with because they're right up close but they're not as close as we are. So like (laughs) we're blinded by those things. And it's like the people right next to us are like, but no, but like, this is what you're actually struggling with. And it's like, Oh, it is. Don't always want to hear it. But yeah, yeah, sometimes we do too. Awesome. So why don't you kind of introduce yourself to everybody, uh, tell everyone what you do and where you located, all that fun stuff. Sure. Um, So my name is Amy, and I know that's probably surprising because my business name is Gracie May Bridal. Uh, I am one of the many millennials that decided to start their own business and name it after their kids. And uh, so I'm a mom of three. I'm married. My kids are 14, four, and two. My little girls are Lainey Grace and Lilia May. And on a whim, I made my Facebook page uh, for bridal hair about three years ago uh, after leaving my job as a area manager with a salon franchise. And um, I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. COVID had hit. 
And I had done weddings in the past. 2015 was my first wedding. I go all the way back to doing updos with pageants. And so it seems like this has always been something. It's been in my wheelhouse. But Mm -hmm. I left my job and I thought, well, if I just do like two weddings a month, I'll make up some of the money that I used to make when I was working after paying for daycare. And uh, then about six months in, I had maybe 12 weddings booked. I didn't even know that being a bridal specialist was a thing, mm-hmm. but I was like, I kind of need some education like if, <laughs> if I'm going to be doing this. Uh, and it occurred to me that whether I was educated or not, or I just looked at it as like a side hustle, uh-huh. my show me the exact same inspiration pictures from Pinterest. And so it made more sense for me to be all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't mean to start a business, but here I am. I just fell all in. I love the professional side as much as the creative side. And uh, so now fast forward, um, my first year, I had 27 bookings. It was just kind of random, like a mom here, mm-hmm. a bridesmaid there. I was doing both hair and makeup. Uh, P.S. I am not qualified to do makeup. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I, that was one of the ways that I dropped. I, I simplified the business. Uh, mm-hmm. And then year two, which was last year, uh, I had 36. And then I just now for this year booked number 50. Um, and I have 14 on the books for next year at this point, too. That's amazing. Because, like, your whole goal – I love how you say, first of all, that you were, like, you weren't meaning to start a business and you just kind of fell into it. And your your first goal was, like, oh, if I just do two – a month. That's 24 a year. And you blew that out of the water right off the bat. So like, kudos to you. That's amazing. You should really pat yourself on the back for that. But, um, you know, now it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's really exciting. It has. Yeah, it's definitely grown. And it's important for me to remember my whole goal and intention when I started. And it was just to be able to provide income for my family in a way mm-hmm. that I can keep my family first. And I'm doing that. Uh, yeah. So that's that's exciting. Yeah. I think a lot of people kind of start to build their business goals and their intentions based off what they see other people doing. And they lose sight of what's reasonable or actionable for themselves and being a mom of three I love that you set very intentional goals for yourself and for for your business and for your family to make sure that you remain you know balanced and you are able to be there and um, you know take care of your children and all that kind of stuff Um, so I think that's really that's really smart and that's very um, intentional on your part it also requires that I uh, simplify my business again and again and again and again mm-hmm. and again. And every time I think I have it simplified to a point, I got to do it again. Yeah. Um, that's Well, mm-hmm. that's like the hallmark of a successful business is you don't just create it one day and then take a step back and expect that it's always going to be the same. Like it's constantly evolving because every day, you know, we experience something new or we have um, a new client that makes us shift how we see things, or we have new priorities in our life pop up, you know, especially Mm -hmm. like going back to like being a mom, you know, it's like sometimes our kids are like, well, now I want to do this new activity. And that shifts how we have to prioritize our time. Um, And so being able to be flexible with our business and understand that it's, it's a constant evolution. And as we grow as people, our business needs to continue to grow, to modify, to, to fit that. 
um, or else we're going to end up burning out trying to sustain a business that doesn't meet our own personal needs anymore. I don't know anything about burnout. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> burnout, that's a naughty word. We don't use that no, word. I, 100%, yeah, I, com- I completely, and I, I am forecasting right now because it's like, oh, I'm going to have three kids in school next year. I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't fill up my entire weekend. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. it's yep, it's, it's yep. a journey. Yeah, as my children have grown and their their schedules have shifted, my business is continually evolved. I, I started off with like a team of artists that covered like the tri-state area when they were, you know, home with me or in preschool or whatever. And then my oldest hit kindergarten and it was like, whoa, I never really see you anymore. And then by the time yeah. he was like in first grade, I had hit burnout mode and was just like, okay, so this is no longer serving my business. This is no longer serving my family and had to completely shift gears again, because it was great. It was so exciting to like get super busy within my first few years of working and suddenly grow a team and everything. And then it was like, but wait a second. Now I never see my kids. This Mm -hmm. is no longer this super awesome, flexible job where I don't have to go in. Yeah. It be, it it be serving it instead of exactly it I started serving it instead of it serving me and it was just like oh this was really awesome and I felt really great about myself and my business and my success and then life changed and it's like oh no actually now we need to like switch things because things Mm -hmm. are different uh in my life so um what let's kind of talk a little bit more about you know building the the confidence and everything um, what was the biggest thing that made a difference um, when it came to, you know, your issues with imposter syndrome and building up the confidence to make these changes um, in your business and to know that like, okay, I need to make this change. I feel confident in myself that I can trust myself to make these decisions. Sure. Well, I first want to visit for a second what even imposter syndrome is. I feel like it's kind of a catchphrase that we hear a lot, especially in social media amongst entrepreneurs and creatives. Um, So I did a little Google search and it's the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own effort or skills. Um, So with that in mind, Mm -hmm. uh, what has helped me deal with it and make some changes. I think that imposter syndrome has two sides to it. So there's mm-hmm. one side and it's it, it's like kind of the lack of education side. So I'm going to feel imposter syndrome. I'm going to feel like I'm basically faking it if this is kind of describing maybe some of my early, early weddings mm-hmm. um, where if I do 10 styles and only one of them is like really solid and I post that one and everyone's like you're amazing and I'm like well you didn't see the other nine then I'm Uh gonna feel like I'm faking it and so the solution to that is education so that's like my first answer to overcoming imposter syndrome is um do you have the skill that you need Mm -hmm. and if you don't then you're gonna feel like you're faking it um Mm -hmm. And then the other side to that, and this is just much uh, more, (laughs) much deeper, uh, is that is like that no matter what you do, you just never quite feel like you are there. And Mm -hmm. that's some, that's some like inside work that you have to do. And no, you know, no matter how many 
how many times people say to you like, oh, that's, I'm so happy with your work or the reviews or, or the whatever. It's like you never quite feel like it's enough. Um, mm-hmm. For that, the answer is the data. You have to look at the data and just get really into your business and know um, that, okay, my emotions are lying to me. Mm-hmm. And so between the education and then uh, looking at the data really helped me to be able to be like, okay, it's time to make some changes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, there was a, a coach, I can't remember who it was that I heard it from the first time, um, but she said data over drama. And I was like, oh, I love that. I love that yeah. phrase. I love that mindset of, you know, don't make business decisions based on the drama of what's going on in a situation. Um, I see a lot of times like uh, hairstylists or makeup artists will jump into a Facebook group and they're like, oh, you know, this bride did this. Maybe I should completely change how I do stuff. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't need to like completely burn shit down to the ground and rebuild. (laughs) Like maybe there's just a little simple tweak that we can make to avoid the situation in the first place. And I think a lot of people, they do, they see the the emotional side of things and then they just react and they're like well I can't do this or maybe I need to change this or I don't know what I'm doing and it's like oh no no you just haven't experienced this before and you haven't built a system to manage it so let's look at it from a more logical standpoint and that's what I try and do in my coaching I try to be very logical with things and just be like hey let's just ask a bunch of questions because I want you to look at things from different viewpoints and then be like, okay, where can I pull that information and actually look at it in black and white on paper and be like, oh, okay, this is actually what I'm dealing with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's make a change based on that. Right. Um, I think that imposter syndrome also has a certain element of like proving and striving as mm-hmm. opposed to just like remaining curious. So as you were saying, like about maybe a situation comes up and instead of having to just like, you know, turn everything inside out, be like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that happened. Mm-hmm. What led up to that that could have been prevented? And then just make like calm, calculated changes as opposed to quick, emotionally driven reactions. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people need to be able to take that emotional step back and analyze with a way with without connecting their business to themselves. And I think a lot of people have trouble with that too, is because they see themselves as the physical representation of their business. And if there's something that's not going right in their business, they feel like it's a personal failing of themselves. And it's like, no, like, you know, you've never experienced this before. So here's, let's like look and see what we could have done a little bit differently. And people don't want to admit that they could have done something differently. They're like, oh, no, no. But then like that, if the business isn't doing well, then that means that there's something wrong with me. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just you haven't experienced this before. So let's figure something out. Like I'm, I'm teaching my 16-year-old how to drive right now. And when we get behind the <laughs> wheel of the car, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's the, the most stressful thing. Like I have, I have built multiple businesses in my life and I've like gone through all these things. Teaching a 16 year old how to drive is one of the most terrifying things um, <laughs> I think I've ever experienced. I would rather ride a roller coaster like blindfolded. So, um, <laughs> but he like, you know, he, he struggles sometimes with like me 
trying to teach him or like me trying to correct little things and he's like but i don't know that and i'm like yeah i know you don't know that that's literally entire fucking point of what we're doing right now is you've never done this before so of course i'm describing (laughs) i feel like you're describing some of our coaching conversations A lot. I think. I think one of the things that makes me good as a coach is the fact that I've had to explain many things to my children over the last sixteen years or so, and so I think I'm good at being like, "No, we just haven't done this before, and that's okay." Right. Um, right. You know, I, one of the things that I always tell my son is like, "You did not come out of the womb learning how to walk. You didn't come out of the womb learning how to talk. You had to learn these things, and there was nothing wrong with falling down." Or there was nothing wrong with saying something wrong. Like he, he, he couldn't pronounce mosquito for the longest time when he was little. It was mouse squidito. And Aww. it was <laughs> it was so the cute. funniest thing. And, I'm, and I still kind of, I, I tease him a little bit. And I'm like, oh, look, it's the mouse squidito's. Uh, but, you know, it's just like you've ne- if you've never done something before in business and in, in your learning or you never experienced a new situation, you got to be able to be like, okay, this isn't a me thing. It's just an inexperienced thing. So mm-hmm. let's take a step back and just be like, okay, what what could I have done differently? And if you don't know that, then like you said, with the education, it becomes so important when you're when you're shown a new hairstyle for the first time very few people can replicate it immediately perfectly. You know, you're going to do your best and you're going to try and then you're going to go home and you're going to redo it in your head 50 fucking times. You know, you're going to be like, okay, so now I'm going to Google and now I'm going to Pinterest and now I'm going to go look on YouTube and Instagram and I'm going to try and find that hairstyle and watch what I can to learn how to do that hairstyle. So when it comes up again, I'm more prepared. And in business, we have to do the same thing. We have to look at situations and be like, what did I not know? And here's how I can educate myself in the meantime, in between. So when that situation happens again, I'm confident and I'm like, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So um, when it comes to, you know, dealing with, you know, the confidence in your business and everything and, and starting out, um, how did you identify that this was kind of like a key area that you needed to work on? Were you just like, I'm dealing with imposter syndrome or were you like, what is holding me back? And you had to kind of dig a little deeper. Yeah, I was really, I think that was the first time that I reached out to you and said like, Hey, can we do a coaching sesh? Um, like a one-on-one. So I was about a year and a half into the business and, uh, I just felt like I was drowning. Like I felt like I was just so I was just so much on my plate, but I wasn't doing any hair. Like I was doing hair, but mm-hmm. I was spending like so much time trying to give away all of these extras and just do all these different things that didn't really help to grow the business. They didn't uh-huh. feel like something that was necessarily helping me get from here to there. Um, and I was just like, why, why am I doing so much? Like, why am I so buried in all this extra work that isn't necessarily leading to like a better hairstyle or a better client experience or even more bookings. Um, and that's when you and I connected and, and I talked about like my process and my business and some of the things that I was doing. And I, you were like, wait, what? Like, you're not a coordinator. Like, why are you doing all this stuff? And mm-hmm. what it came down to was the fact that, uh, I, I live in a very small area. Um, 60 bucks is a lot in this area for a, hairstyle and that's Mm -hmm. not a sustainable 
dollar amount to run a business off of. Um, and so I just felt like if I was going to like have a price range that was sustainable for me to live off of and for business, then I had to do more than just hair. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just, just me and my skill set wasn't going to be enough. I felt like my skills weren't enough. And then I also was afraid to put a price out there or to, to charge, I guess, my worth um, if I wasn't also giving away a ton of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it really made me look at my motives and I'm like, well, I, I guess I guess I don't feel confident in my abilities. And so is that is, is that a skill thing? Can I fix this with some education? Mm-hmm. Or can I uh, increase my value in a way that makes sense to the client, but isn't going to bog me down? Yeah, I love that. And so I, I think it's so funny because like I was sitting back looking at your work going – what do you mean you're not good enough? Like, you're amazing. Like, you're, you are so much better, like, skill-wise. Like, the photos that you were posting and things like that and the work that you were putting out there was so far ahead of what I see so many people do. And the fact that you were kind of, like, struggling with, well, you know, maybe my skills aren't good enough. I was just like, okay, we've got some mindset work to do <laughs> Yeah, because you're yeah, so good. Well, I appreciate that. I think part of it too is hard in it comes to, like in terms of imposter syndrome when I'm not I'm I'm not always good at comparing myself to how far I've come. I'm always comparing mm-hmm. myself instead to like all these like one shot finalists and to um you know the 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 marketing presence and the business mm-hmm. presence of so many other artists that have like 10, 15, 20 years under their belts or uh, so I think that's also an important element of protecting yourself from comparison and imposter mm-hmm. syndrome is just to really limit the number of people that you're watching and the voices that you're listening to. And just otherwise, you're always going to feel like your work is subpar in comparison to literally internationally renowned artists. Like, hello, why am I doing this to myself? Yes, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I think it is really easy to kind of get into that mindset. But also, I want you and just like everybody listening to kind of remember, you don't know how many shots it took to get that photo that they posted in the one shot contest. You don't know you know, how many times they had to do that same style on different models and take those photos and how edited they are and all those kinds of things. And the the fact that there are people who, you know, that's like a big thing. That's like a huge part of their business is producing this content for these competitions and things like that. You know, there are people that spend months building up to these one shot contests and they will practice these same styles over and over and over again until they nail it. And then they pick the best photos. So like you were kind of like how you went back earlier where you said, you know, you could do 10 styles and you post the one photo that came out great. You don't know like how many times those people are doing those kinds of things for these contests as well. Um, or were just, you know, like the stars aligned and it ended up being a really gorgeous photo uh, because they just have really good photo taking skills. Like sometimes I mm-hmm. see stuff from like the side or the back and I can tell that doesn't look that great from the front. 
I can see, <laughs> I can see the imbalance in things. And I'm like, I bet you that looks like shit from the front. Like you can tell one side is flat, but that's not the, that's not the angle that they photographed it from. I think right, a lot right. of hairstyling um, and images and stuff out there can really be saved by good photo taking. Cause I've seen some people like I have seen their work in person and then I've seen their photos and I'm like, that doesn't really line up. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I have trial runs with brides and I am just fixing their hair ever. So like every single little strand and I'm always like, wow, like they're probably realizing in this moment that how much editing and just, yeah, there's so much production to it. So yes. Like there's a lot of those pictures that we see online are not just organic photos. And I think that's actually probably why um, side note, like in Instagram, the content demand is changing to more like B-roll behind the scenes because Mm -hmm. I think clients are tired of like perfectly cropped edited photos. Exactly. They don't want this produced result so much. Um, You know, and maybe it's just because also in the the 15 years of my career is I do so much production work where I'm behind the scenes on photo shoots. Like there's this one catalog that I work for every fall and you don't know how much goes into these catalog (laughs) shots, you know, where I'm literally standing six inches away from the model and keeping an eye on the screen to make sure there isn't a single wrinkle in the shirt. You know, and when we're out in the field, uh, you know, grabbing these shots, there's this one, one time we were, we we're photographing, it's like a, it's a clothing catalog and we are photographing golf shirts and literally we drove up to a golf course and where it kind of like came out to meet like the main road and you could see the green through like this opening in the woods. And we literally parked the car on the side of the road, grabbed a golf club ran and so the model was standing in the perfect shot in between this opening in the woods and you could see the green in the background and the photographer was able to frame it up to look like she was on the golf course like there's just so much that goes into the production of this curated image that it's not always the reality that everything is always so perfectly placed and we also have to keep in mind you know what's the reality of a wedding day? Um, You know, is that a feasible hairstyle? Like some of these things, like they look really beautiful, but they're not practical whatsoever. And it's like, okay, yeah, of course that looks perfect in an indoor setting where every hair is perfectly placed. But, you know, how is that going to look afterwards? Mm -hmm. Like, is your client going to be able to have, like, are you a hairstylist who can make that, like last and look really well all day long and it's practical or are you a hairstylist who just produces content so don't compare yourself because there's two completely different <laughs> sides of this industry and it can be sure. really easy to get caught up in like the whole highlight reel yeah you have to it's a, it's a fine balance between being inspired Mm-hmm. And wanting to know where you're going and leveling up your skill while also taking a moment and saying like, wow, I've really come very far and my clients are happy and I've built this thing yeah. that serves my lifestyle in the way that I wanted it to and let that be enough. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are, there are people out there who win these contests who are not working on clients, um, you know, that are out here just educating to other hairstylists and things like that. So what they're doing and how they market and how they build their business 
um, is to a completely different clientele. It's a, it's a different set of people that they're trying to reach. They're trying to reach other hairstylists. They're not necessarily trying to work with clients. And so we have to keep in mind, like, well, what yeah. do my clients want? Can like, we just tell what, clients that then? So that when they get these inspiration photos, we can explain to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that that's, that's where our education comes in. It's like, yes. we, yeah, as working, as working with consumers, as the, that level of, of artistry, we also have to educate to a, a, a point there where we're like okay so what, what this person's doing is they're they're talking to other hairstylists they're they're not talking right, right. to to you <laughs> so um when you are making business decisions in your business what thoughts are uh, were you telling yourself back then about why you couldn't do what you wanted to like what 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 thoughts were you telling yourself when it came to you know raising your rates because that's one thing that we've definitely worked on and you know the last year um was building up your confidence to be like yes I can mm-hmm. I can raise my rates what kind of things were running through your head when I was saying like okay raise your rates yeah, well, my biggest thing is I thought that I couldn't. Um, I uh-huh. just thought that my the area that I live in, the market tolerance, just wouldn't accept it. Um, I live in a very rural area where they like people don't even know what a bridal specialist is, um, uh-huh. and they, it's just unheard of. They're like, "Wait, you only do weddings," um, and so that's actually worked really in my favor for building my business because there's such a high demand. But on the other hand, I just felt like there was just no way that I was going to be able to charge um, anywhere close to any other artists, like even in, even in cities near me. Um, now I am on par with the major city that's closest to me, which is like Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the just the area I live in was like the biggest thing. It's like nobody else is charging that. I will never be able to get away with it. No one's going to book with me. Uh, and then I, again, felt like early on, I just felt like I lacked the skill. And and I appreciate all like the encouragement and compliments and everything, but truly, I mean, I had a lot to learn. I, I sure, I think that like, it's great to have a natural ability, but then to hone that. And I had this fear that I was going to get stumped on the spot and then somebody wasn't going to be happy. So one of the things that I've done in my business, for example, um, that I have built is I reach out to the bridal party ahead of time and I collect all the inspiration photos um, in advance. And I'm now getting to a point in the business where if I, I might not keep that. If I do keep it, it's truly because the bridal party appreciates it. I remember when you and I were talking about it, you said, well, why don't you just reach out and say like, I'm here to answer questions if you'd like to send me your inspiration photos. Uh-huh. But it was, I was too afraid to let go of that because I uh-huh. thought, well, what if, what if I don't know how to do that? But now I almost feel like it, it's almost to a point where it's working against me because I'm just mm-hmm. overthinking it uh-huh. instead of being an artist, being a creative, just allowing it to flow organically and uh-huh. not, not plan to the nth degree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So definitely the skill and the area I live in is the two reasons that I thought that I, I couldn't grow my business the way that I wanted to. And what's been the reality, actually? False. That's false. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been. Uh, so um, I just looked at the data and in preparation for this. And um, in the last year, I've had 205 inquiries. And then just uh, since the beginning of the year has been 68 of those. And it, I had to do a lot of the quiet work. Like I really started focusing on my 
online presence and showing the experience of working with me, uh, like you suggested. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that quiet work. The, I wouldn't say quiet because it was out there, but that, that consistent work for a full mm-hmm. six months. And it was like, I wasn't sure in December. I heard crickets. There wasn't a lot coming in. But then once January 1st hit, all of a sudden it was every day. And I messaged you and I was like, okay, you were right. Like this, this work that I put in is now paying off. I can start to see the fruition of these uh-huh. little bits of effort over time. And there, there is a market for it. People do want that service. Um, they want that quality. And, uh, you know, I was believing some lies <laughs> that I was yep. telling myself. Yep. Well, um, everybody listening who lives in a small town, let this be a lesson to you that there are always and this is one thing that I go over in like my ultimate pricing guide and in my course and things like that like there are always going to be somebody there's going to be people in your town who are willing to pay what it takes to have what they want like there are, every small town there's still a big house on the hill kind of thing you know there's not everybody is you know, a coal miner's daughter kind of thing. Like, you know, just because it's a small town and maybe real estate isn't as expensive, like things still cost the same, you know, mm-hmm. like everywhere eggs is going up. There's people in every town who drive, you know, a Mercedes, you know, there's, there's a big house on the hill everywhere. Uh, Michael Kors doesn't cost cheaper in a small town. There are still going to be people who value certain things and say, I'm willing to spend the money on the thing that I value. And if you're somebody in a small town who's like, well, I can't do that, you know, you absolutely can. You will not work as much probably as if you were really cheaper. But the benefit of that is, is you're not working as much and you're still making the same. And you're working with a clientele that values what you do. So there's going to be a completely different mindset to that clientele versus the person who's like, well, I just want the service and I want it at a price I can afford. They're two completely different consumers and they shop very, very differently. Um, So, but they both still equally exist. I also done a lot of marketing education and also understanding. So two books that I found very valuable were um, Alex Hermosi, $100 million offers and uh, building a story brand by Donald Miller. And they really Mm -hmm. helped me understand what problem do I solve for a bride in addition to doing her hair. So yes, hair is the foundation that gets me in the door, but there's a reason why a bride wants someone to come on site and it's actually not about her hair. And so that really helped me understand. And I was afraid for a long time of doing, I told myself, well, I can't do this because like nobody else is doing it. I can't, I can't charge this. I can't offer these, um, like, um, not add-ons, but these come with services Mm -hmm. because no one else is doing that. They don't understand it. But I consider myself a wedding vendor. I don't want to use the word. I'm not just a stylist. It's kind of a dirty word or dirty phrase within the industry, but I really am a wedding vendor and I have the experience and the quality uh, that comes with it. And I pride myself in that. And so I'm finding that there actually is a market for that. What brides don't want, what they don't want is a stylist that hasn't educated themselves and is just trying to get in and out as fast as they can and make as much money as possible mm-hmm. and leave. They yeah. want someone to like really feel like they are there for them. And I think that that has helped me a lot too, uh, because yeah. I'm positioned my business in a way that I am really team bride. And, yeah. uh, 
that's something I've worked on as well. Yeah, I I think people definitely do not want the Walmart weddings. They don't they don't want a wedding <laughs> factory. They don't want somebody who's just gonna come in and do bare bones and and basic. And I think that that's a conversation that I've had with a lot of people lately. Um, and it mm-hmm. was it's one of the things that inspired me to create my new course called Unique as Fuck, where it was like, you know, this is why you're not really standing out because you don't understand what your client's needs are. You just think she just wants hair. She just wants makeup. But that's not it. If you're just selling yourself based on look at this pretty hair I do or look at this pretty makeup that I do, you're always going to be basing it off of price because you're approaching yes. it from a pricing mindset. You're you're looking at as this is what I do, this is how much time I spend on it. Or, you know, when people get the question, well, why is the bride cost more? And so, oh, well, I spend more time doing the bride's hair. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not. So so my the bridesmaids are going to be like, so my hair is going to be shit then because you spend only 45 <laughs> minutes on me? Like, right. no, that's not a good justification. That's not why the bride costs more. We need to understand what else are we actually providing mm-hmm. and and how can we set ourselves apart from our competition who are who are just trying to sell based off of oh I just do hair oh I just do makeup right, and look right. how pretty I can make you look it's not how pretty you make them look how do you make them feel how do you solve their problems how do you educate them how do you help them how do you how do you make them what's the experience of working with you like and they forget that how much that plays into how people view us um, and, and our business, it's because it, it's subconscious. A bride isn't going to the website and, you know, looking for these specific things. She's going to look at your vibe and she's going to feel like, is this the kind of person that I want around me on a wedding day and this, you know, super yeah, stressful morning or this really emotionally charged morning? Is this the kind of person that I even want to be around? Or sure. are they phoning it in? on social media do they not even have a website are they you know like do they put the time into all of these little things or are they just like yeah I just come and I do your hair and here's how much it costs right right and I it's funny I was just going through and doing just an analysis of all of the different inquiries that I've had over the last year and I have a spot on there of like describe your your vision of your wedding morning to me and almost everyone said that not only was experience and quality important, but also someone that is fun to be around and easy to get along with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're basically one of the girls. I mean, you think about the honor Absolutely. of that. The bride has chosen these select women that are in her life. Um, and to be inclusive, you know, there could be men in the room. I haven't had that yet. But uh-huh. she's basically the most important people in her life to be with her that morning and we get to we have a front row seat to that that's mm-hmm. really important and it's intimate and uh so yeah the personality aspect of uh of being a bridal stylist is so important it really is it's your it's your vibe you know like there are just definitely um there are people out there who are like but I can't I'm not you know I I'm older than my brides or I'm not as outgoing and whatnot. And it's like, that's cool. Not everybody's looking 
for the hip 20-something who's going to be pounding the white claws with them. Like, that's not what everybody's <laughs> expectation of who they want around with them. You don't have to be that. You can be you, and you just have to figure out who the you part is and, and what the clients that want the you part is, where they are. And that's that's the key to kind yeah. of, like, bridging yeah. those two. Um, it's funny. I consider myself to be pretty introverted. Um, I'm more of like the chill coffee house vibe type of yeah. just person day in, day out. But I love a party bride. They're so fun. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, my God. They're some of the funnest weddings where I'm just like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm way too old for that shit now. But you guys, you have your fun. <laughs> I've learned I've learned a lot from bridal parties, truly. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, to touch on real quick, the one book I mentioned, $100 million offers, um, the author talks about decommoditizing yourself so I used to be afraid to do the things that nobody else was doing because I didn't want to stand out and now I realize that I need to lean into that if you find a gap in your market and do something that nobody else is doing and then adding so much value that it just makes sense for Mm -hmm. people to choose you then just lean so hard into that don't be afraid to stand out absolutely I love that don't commoditize yourself um that's why you know I try and tell people like it's not about the hair it's not about the makeup like literally everybody does that or like um, if you if they take the same class like the people are all sitting it's like look around like literally everybody sitting next to you taking this hair class right now is all now your competition they've learned the same style that you've learned and they've learned all the same techniques and they can use the same products and they can use the same tools and they can make the same style that's you're no you're now one of the crowd. You're now blending in. You're now vanilla. Hey, mm-hmm. What are you going to do to, you know, to put the cherry on top? What are you going to do to add the sprinkles? What are you going to do to, like, make yourself the banana split while everybody else is, is the vanilla? Like, what are you going to mm-hmm. do to stand out now um, that has and nothing to do? It's, it's like the simplest shit. Like, the, t- the tiniest little things that you can do to make yourself different mm-hmm. is, like, answer their emails in a decent time. Like it's, yeah. it's just like the bare minimum stuff mm-hmm. that you can do to set yourself. I, I'm really surprised to get the feedback that I do and how many times brides are like, wow, thank you so much for getting back to me so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's just like in a day, it's not like it's five minutes later. I, yeah. I have those boundaries in place, but just the, it's, it's the little things um, that make the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I, it kind of like don't over pack yourself with so much that you you lose out on the customer service aspect of it Mm -hmm. like if you can't get back to people within 24 to 48 hours because you're you're working every single day well then eventually that's gonna hurt your business because you're not able to respond to people in you know a reasonable amount of time because you're so busy doing everything else it's like yeah the money's great in the moment but is this a system or is this a process of how you you work with people that's going to be sustainable long time or eventually is the work going to start to peter out because people are like well she she took three days to get back to me because she was working three days in a row and she was too tired Mm -hmm. to sit down and and respond to questions or she was too overwhelmed to do that. It's like, you have to kind of keep those aspects in mind um, as well to keep yourself balanced. 
I think that sustainability piece is really important and it's probably the biggest factor that helped me realize that I needed to make some changes and simplify my business and get to the root of how I felt and why I was doing so, so much over and above what was really needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to ask yourself, like, is what I'm doing sustainable? And then also what got me here won't get me there. Can I continue to do everything that I'm doing and reach the next level? Um, and that sustainability piece is, is huge. That's where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually, I can't, I can't keep going in this trajectory and actually grow. Yeah. So what advice would you give to other artists who are struggling with, you know, their confidence, making business decisions or just imposter syndrome and um, that's kind of holding them back from growing? Yeah. uh, So I would say to first be really honest with yourself. I think that if I am spending more time making my business look good on the outside than I am making sure that it feels good on the inside, then Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel like I'm faking it. If I am spending so, so much time on my marketing and I'm not spending enough time practicing, then I'm going to feel like something is off and uh, I'm I'm misaligned basically. Mm Mm-hmm. So another thing I'd say is just to really get into the numbers. Like you have to know your business. My husband would be the first to tell you that I like to stick my head in the sand, uh, but you you really can't. And imposter syndrome, feelings of inadequacy, that's an emotional issue. And so we need to throw some logic at it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's funny. Okay. So I told you recently that I raised my prices because uh-huh. I was starting to book up quickly for 2024 and that's had a whole, whole other host of issues. And so I was like debating one one new price point or another and I chose the highest and then I think I had like three people ghost me in one week and that felt like a lot to me uh and so I went into like panic mode and then like I still raised them but not as much as I thought that I was going to and now like the inquiries are flowing back in which absolutely did not do what I needed it to do so shame Mm -hmm. on me imposter syndrome got me but as I was looking at the data okay so since the first of the year I've only had three percent people of of the people that have reached out to me ghost me that's not a big number no it's Uh, not and so I was like oh that's interesting Uh, so I think you have to know your numbers and look at them objectively and then be willing to make changes or not maybe maybe you just realize that your emotions are lying to you yeah um and I think you need a coach. <laughs> you just do. <laughs> and and not so that your coach can be like, oh, you're amazing. Because when you feel inadequate, there's no amount of there's no amount of praise that's that gonna make that. you yeah. feel better. But you need a coach to help you look in the mirror and say, Well, why are you doing what you're doing? What are your motives? So that mm-hmm. way you can make changes from there. Yeah. You it's it's hard as a coach to not just want to be like, yay, praise, 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 because that's like my personality. But it's like, I, it's like, okay, no, we have to look at things logically. Like my help as a coach comes from being able to help you look at a problem through a different set of eyes and approach things differently because obviously what you're doing currently isn't working. Um, and I just want to, I want to be everybody's, hear. everybody's mama and be like, I love you. You're doing awesome. You're doing awesome, sweetie. Like, you know, it's like, but is that really helpful? Maybe a, li- sure. a little bit, but. <laughs> no, this, is, this is funny. Okay. In the audio recording of your website audit for me, uh-huh. there was one where and like I needed to hear it, but it just was not easy to hear. But there was like, I did this. We won't, it's embarrassing. I won't get into it. But I, I had a lot of like pride and I felt like I put so much effort. But I guess the message that I was putting across wasn't 
wasn't real positive. Um, uh-huh. And I was trying to be nurturing and helpful to a bride. And instead, I think the messaging I had out there was like, your wedding morning's going to suck. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I didn't That's need exactly to. what you're talking about. Yeah. And it um, was just switching up your phrasing. Yeah, it was super funny because in the one, the audio, there was one point where you were like, ugh, like literally. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's it's all good. It's good. I needed it. Um, And I, (laughs) uh, it's just, it was funny. And um, so it's that said, like, it's not easy to hear the constructive feedback that you need, but it is a safe space. Um, You've been a coach to me, but I've been a mentor. And I think also over the period of time, I've become a friend. And Absolutely. it's all good. Like, it's, you know, no one's, like, trying to hurt you. They're just trying to help you grow and yeah. uh, being willing to hear some of that tough feedback that you don't necessarily want to hear. Yeah, I've definitely had some people who ha- have done good coaching sessions where it's like, okay, you know, it's like, I'm going to I'm gonna give you praise, you know, and tell you you're awesome when I think you're awesome. But also, you're paying me a lot of money. And right. if I can't get you results by being honest and telling you, like, this is hurting your business, you need to make this change, you need to look inside yourself and do some mindset work, you know, like, those are the things that are actually going to change your business. And that's gonna, that's gonna help you cheering for you. Yeah, it feels really nice. But, you know, do the coaches on the football field, give them a pat on the ass when they walk by and go, good guy, good job, guys, you know, like, no, are they going, what the fuck was that, man? Like, right, you, you right. gotta change that. Do this different. That was good, but do it again. Do it better. Yep. Do it faster. Do it harder. You know, it's like those are the type of coaches that like get results by being honest and not kissing people's ass. Um, and I and I think it's a hard time with some people when they start working with me because that's one hundred percent my mindset is. You know, like I, if I can't get you results, then you've just wasted your money. So I'm not going to pussyfoot around this. And I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, whether you like it or not. Your choice afterwards is, am I going to listen to this? And am I going to make these changes? Or am I just going to be offended or angry or, you know, like, am I going to take this personally? And am I going to react emotionally and do the exact opposite? You know, so yep. I always it's a process. Yeah, I always try and be like, honest with people. With yeah, yeah. I had. Well, um, I appreciate. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, a client one time who started the you know my course with me, and we were doing coaching sessions or whatever. And she sent me her website, and maybe it's just me doing websites. <laughs> uh, uh, but I she emailed me back, and she was like, "Ouch!" And I was just like, "I'm sorry, but." Like, this is why you're not getting clients right now, because Mm -hmm. this is, this is what your website, this is what you're putting out there to represent your business. And people can feel that and they can see that. And it's like, I know it was a lot of work and I know you put a lot of work into it, but that doesn't, just because you put a lot of work into it doesn't mean that it's, it's good. And it doesn't mean that it's helping your business if you need to make some adjustments. So I think sometimes our intentions can be blinders to us. Mm-hmm. So we we know we were trying to convey, but is that really what was communicated? Yeah, absolutely. We can be like, oh, yes, but th- this is what I really meant. And it's like, okay, but that's not how it came across. Right, right. So, and I find, you know, and sometimes my bluntness does the exact same thing to me where it's like, oh, sorry, maybe, maybe I could have <laughs> rephrased that a little. Maybe I could have left out the, ugh. <laughs> Okay, I'm not mad. It's just funny. Yeah, 
And I'll have to like pay attention when I'm like doing people's things and just like I'm gonna put a big mirror behind the computer and I'm just gonna smile at it while I talk the entire time and just be like well I hope you don't feel like I just called you out because it wasn't no. my intention <laughs> but that's okay because I can take constructive feedback too because that is how I grow and that is how I learn and it is how I serve people better I don't think I'm perfect so um if you could go back in time and tell yourself one big piece of advice when you started out on your own unbridled. If you could go back those three years and and tell yourself one thing, you had ten seconds to spit a sentence or two out. Oh my gosh, ten! Like, Are what would it be? Because when I, okay, one thing is really hard. Can I do just like three really quick ones? Okay, <laughs> three really, really quick ones. Three really quick. And okay. go. So uh, number one, you will be ghosted. Don't worry about it. Uh, you're not going to book every single bride. Uh, Two, uh, there is no one thing that's going to make or break your business. Like, don't put so much emphasis on that one post, that one hairstyle, this one project that you're working on. Your business isn't going to change overnight. It's going to be the little things that you do over a long period of time that make the biggest difference. Um, and then the third, and this is probably the biggest one that I could have done without the other ones, and this is just overall, um, is just to trust yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. I had every reason in the world and eight years ago to not go to cosmetology school. I was a branch manager at a bank. I had a nice cushy job. I had really good income. I had all these different things, but I knew that I was not happy and my life was running me rather than like the other way around. Uh-huh. And so uh, just to trust yourself. Um, you, you be that that authenticity piece is so important because mm-hmm. you're gonna feel like you're faking it if you're copying other people but if you're just leaning into who you are and what you know in your gut is the right path for you uh do that just do that I've made it my life mission to just like smash the status quo um and that's what I'm gonna keep doing but gotta trust yourself yeah absolutely it's kind of like dating like if you you there's going to be people who don't like you for who you are but that doesn't mean you need to change who you are you just need to keep leaning in to to who you are as a person and then the right person comes along and with your clients it's the same thing is if you keep trying to fake it and you keep trying to be something that you're not you're not going to attract the right people it's never going to feel right it's never going to feel authentic uh, but when you just go all in on like who you are and you put it out there and you're like, okay, I'm not going to book every bride. I'm not going to attract everybody because not everybody's going to want me. But the people who are going to want me are really going to want me. And that's going to make the exchange of energy balanced. They're going to enjoy working with me. I'm going to enjoy working with them. And it's going to be good. It's going to be sustainable. It's going to grow my business. It's going to make me emotionally fulfilled rather than being like, oh, I can't, I don't want to work with this person. Because there's definitely been times when I've ignored that and booked people. And then there's just been a pit in my stomach. Every time Mm -hmm. I see that person's name, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to do this wedding. I don't want to be there. I don't want to show up, you know? And then like after the wedding, it's like everything goes okay but I don't even want to send her a review request. Like I don't ever want to talk to her again. I don't ever want to think about her again. Cause it's just like, it was just such an emotional drain because I was trying right. to do something or be somebody that wasn't authentic to me. Cause I wanted that person. And I felt like, well, if that person doesn't like me, then, then I'm not good enough in general. And it's like, no, I'm just not the right person for them. I'm just not for the sure. right artist. I, I think if I get over, um, over preoccupied with the metrics. So I had a goal for the number of weddings that I wanted to book this year and I got a 
uh, inquiry for one that is not within the normal parameters that I've set for myself of like number of services and the details and everything. When I was like, well, it's during the off seasons. I probably won't book it otherwise. It'll help me get to get to my goal. And now I'm regretting that because uh-huh. it's coming up and the red flags are just going up left and right, left and right. So it's always that scarcity mindset and like over preoccupation with the metrics that I think leads me to making decisions that aren't cohesive with where I want to be. Yeah, I did that last year too, where I was like, I just, I wanted to have a certain number and I was like, there's just one more. All I need is one more and then I can retire in October (laughs) and it'll be fine. Like, I don't care. I just need one more. And I took a booking that I tried to walk away from at one point and somehow she like turned around and I was like, shit, maybe I maybe I was too good at my wording and I I changed her mind and she came back and I was like fine well now I'm screwed now I have to take it and I took it and like leading up to it I was just I was sick in my stomach because I was just like ugh, like I just really don't want to Um, the, the interaction and everything went great that day and it was it was weird because it ended up being like this wonderful bride and like it was an amazing tip and it was like a super easy day and like but I the entire time I I just had in my mind that I didn't want to do this wedding anymore um so I brought myself and I brought my energy down so much thankfully it all Mm -hmm. ended up working out but it was just like a man I could have just saved myself at you know hours of stress over the months leading up to it if I was just like no I, I, I turned it down and, and it's not available. We, I can't, we can't save this booking. I don't need to save this booking. My worth is not tied to this one person's opinion of me. Yeah, we all get sucked in at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll go ahead and end this with one last little question. Do you have any funny or, or not so funny horror stories that we can relate to as artists? You know, no names uh, have to be named, but. Absolutely, yeah. No, um. I, people ask me all the time, like, have you ever had a bridezilla? And I can't say that I've had a bridezilla. I don't really use that terminology. Um, mm-hmm. But if they, if I am thinking of, like, there's one person that comes to mind, and she was the reason that I no longer have brides look in the mirror as I'm doing their hair because she was all cool during the trial run. I actually felt really bad for her, and she was talking about how basically terrible her in-laws are and, like, her bridesmaids that weren't good to her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she needs me. And – uh, like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then I started to be like, well, maybe she's the common denominator. And it just became really, really apparent. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, the creative flow was gone. Like, she basically told me where to put every single hair um, for the, and it made this, this the style take forever. She still didn't like it at the end. And I was like, okay, that's never happening again. Like, in the future, I'm going to just, like, hand her a mimosa, be like, relax, I got this. Like, uh-huh. and turn her away from the mirror so um I didn't do that and then the other thing that um was a lot of fun for me was when the moms were fighting on opposite ends of the big barn um <laughs> and one of them was uh like fluently speaking another language with her daughter and so you had like a multilingual battle happening um, oh basically gosh. because it was raining and the bride had accepted it, but they like couldn't let it go. And uh, and after that, I built a really good relationship with that coordinator because I had to check on her and make sure she was okay because <laughs> yep. I got to leave, but she did not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yep. 
I've had weddings like that too, where I've like just reached back out to the coordinator and said, how'd everything go? <laughs> yeah. How, how did, the, did those two people get into a cat fight after I left? Like, give me the tea. Like, <laughs> mama and new mama were giving each other the dagger eyeballs all morning. How did that wind yeah, up? Yeah, it was not good. There was uh, another one that she made, she had to make her own timeline and she changed her style on day of and then uh, it was, she ended up missing and she disappeared because she didn't like her makeup and she was gone for an hour and a half and she missed all of her pictures um so moral moral of the story is uh just it's not a matter of if somebody gets upset it's when and preparing Mm -hmm. yourself for like what are you gonna do about it Um, absolutely yeah and that's when we don't let our imposter syndrome take over in in, and be like oh my god i screwed up i did this wrong there's there's this layer of tough skin that we need to build working in the wedding industry where we're like it had nothing to do with me it had nothing to do with me this was not a me thing this is a family dynamics this person just needed therapy that person needed alcohol and i was just (laughs) there to make them look pretty for their cat fight later on like (laughs) the three questions i always ask myself when i'm in my head after a wedding is was i prepared Yes. Did uh-huh. I do my best? Yes. Mm-hmm. And did I try to make it right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's all you can do. Absolutely. I love it. I'm going to write those three questions down. And that is now a new part of my coaching. Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on the podcast and for, for talking um, with all of us about this. This has been great. And thank you so much to everybody for listening. Visit the show notes. You can go ahead and you can follow Amy on Instagram and me. Um, and I hope everybody goes out there and has a little bit more confidence in themselves today. Yes. Thank you so, so much for having me. And if anybody resonated with any of this, um, send me a message. I'd love to chat more. I'm here for it. Um, I'm happy to help. And if you're somebody who is considering working with me for growing your bridal hair or makeup business, here's a few thoughts from Amy about what her experience with me was like. Sue's overall presence really grabs me right away. Uh, Very direct while also knowing that she was in my corner. Her overall professionalism really uh, gravitated me to her. Prior to working with Sue, I had a hunch that I needed to make some changes in my business and simplify things, but I just didn't know what I could let go of and what was going to help me grow to my next level. I have a history of working with life coaches, so finding a business coach I knew was the answer that I needed to help me get from here to there. Since working with Sue from our initial one-on-one coaching session and implementing the changes that she suggested, I was able to increase my number of inquiries by over 50% with the strategies that she had in mind for me. If there's anyone that's interested in working with Sue, I would first suggest reaching out to her and letting her know what some of your objectives are that you'd like to change within your business so that she can guide and direct you to which courses would be best for you. There's really not one that isn't going to benefit you, but she can help guide you with what order you should try to approach them in. And then from there, just expect to have a lot of honest feedback and definitely learning and growing your business. And once again, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I can't wait to see you again. Same place, same time next week.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you feel empowered, knowledgeable, and capable of handling anything that your business throws your way. Don't forget to subscribe to get access to new episodes as they are released each week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love today's episode? Let me know. Leave me a review and tell me what your biggest takeaway was from the conversation. Have a request for a future topic or someone you'd like to hear me interview? Find me on Instagram at beautybizcollective and drop me a DM. And if you're hungry for more actionable content to help you grow your bridal business, go to www.swearsanddoeshair.com slash bookmorebrides to sign up for my free on-demand training and learn how to book better quality brides faster, easier, and with less stress.